Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Again, I am joined by my friend Ski. Good evening. And Brent. Hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> now, did your uh, mom put your name in that uh, in the tag of those underwear for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I'm just, so that I way you can dramatic check. Pause. Or, or did you check? You check the underwear. You know they're Brent's underwear, but you don't know a hundred percent sure that you're Brent. <laughs> Are you going to cut this part out? I'll cut the part where I just threw your last name in there, but. <laughs> Cut the following part out as well, where I explain the pregnant pause. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say that I was wearing Bert's underwear, <laughs> but I didn't want to like spoil the the cameo, <laughs> and so that's why I panicked. Oh, okay. <laughs> Resume show. I'm not sure how I'll cut that together, but uh... <laughs> do we we'll start over? No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll just be able to cut it out. So. Do we have like beeping technology you could put over? I'm sure I could come up with some way to do that on here. I haven't played around with it that much to where I've tried to insert, yeah. um, you know, sound gotcha. effects. But uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyways, uh, so as always, we'll start off with our recap from Ski, yeah. and then uh, follow it up with our MVPs and. Uh, our rating for the episode as we work towards that ultimate goal of determining the best one. So, the ultimate. Exactly. You know, we already know what season one's best episode was, uh, at was least the, the top two. Which one? Uh, the top one was uh, A Bed of Roses. Oh, nice. I like that best. one. Yeah. yeah. We just discussed this two <laughs> weeks ago. So, <laughs> And a close second was uh, The Way We Met, in case oh, you yeah. forgot that. I like now. that one, too. Mm-hmm. So there's a mini recap from two episodes ago of what the uh, <laughs> of the season one recap. So now we're all back up to date. Cool. All right. So Ski, I'll turn it over to you with the recap. <laughs> so uh, episode two, uh, season two, obviously. The uh, title of this one is Ladies of the Evening. Mm-hmm. And when I first read this, I was like, hmm, what might that mean? Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed. No, no, it definitely uh, fulfilled the promise of the title yeah a lot of uh, we've seen a few that did not right this one definitely lived up to it i think this one should have been titled that was no lady of the evening (laughs) (laughs) yeah at least that would have come into play exactly (laughs) yeah there is definitely we'll get to that in a bit but a part that has kind of played on some of your jokes um that you've made throughout the season in here yeah Uh, original air date was october 4th 1986 Uh, this one was written by barry finero yay and Mort Nathan, they've Ooh. done a few together, and uh, directed by Terry Hughes. He's done quite a bit of them. So uh, we open in the kitchen. We see Rose and Dorothy are kind of uh, behind a man who's uh, crouching under the sink. Uh, he gets up and kind of nods his head in an upset manner, walking away from him into the living room. Uh, the girls follow him and then ultimately ask him to explain, you know, what he's concerned about. Uh, we find out he's an exterminator and he's looking into. Uh, an apparent insect infestation in the house. He tells them that they have uh, water bugs and cockroaches. Uh, also but, silverfish. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, uh, but he still needs to check under the house. Uh, all the while, he is trying to uh, use technical jargon, mm-hmm. but uh, Dorothy sees right through that and kind of calls him mm-hmm. out on it. He had um, the joke about whatever, the president of Greece, you know, there I, I thought that joke was funny roses maybe he'll be voted out in the next election yeah yeah that was like <laughs> like the joke the initial joke wasn't great but yeah. roses follow-up was definitely yeah. a, a solid one yeah i can't remember it was uh i have it written down but i can't even it's like demetrios petpapados <laughs> yeah more or <laughs> yeah, less yeah something, something like that, like that. <laughs> so. that's good enough I mean, yeah. Like, yeah uh he exits and then uh, rose wonders you know how exterminators you know can kind of live with themselves knowing that their jobs consist of killing living things yeah, that seemed odd to me because Rose grew up on a farm where, assumably, they killed living things for food well, and whatnot. She even talks about that in the previous episode, I think. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, she's slaughtering minks in her garage yeah. a week ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now today, <laughs> that's purely for fashion. Exactly. This is for health, you know. This guy's sleeping better than her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe she's still been up at night, um, and so she's feeling a little more pita about everything right now <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah i thought that was rich well anyway dorothy assures her that a man who's got a fiberglass termite on the roof of his vehicle probably doesn't ponder too many deep questions 
Yeah, that was an odd swipe at the exterminator industry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just an odd swipe towards the working man. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, it's like uh, these uneducated, the unwashed masses, yeah. they don't. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like he knows more Latin than she does. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to gussy it up a little bit. Exactly. Well, what would they do if he just decided, screw you guys, I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Enjoy your bugs. I was kind of waiting to see if they were going to be like, hey, we can deal with this on our own. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We refinish that bathroom on our own just fine. Right, yeah, we can get rid of it, the infestations <laughs> that we have. But uh, say what? <laughs> I think <laughs> he was just talking about their rampant case of crotch rot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so. Well, and just then, uh, Blanche enters and tells the girls that she is in ecstasy. At first, they think they think something's wrong, but she <laughs> assures them she's very happy. Uh, she tells them that she just won tickets in a raffle to the world premiere of a new Burt Bert Reynolds movie, uh, including uh, an after party hosted by the star himself, and that she's going to be able to bring her two best friends along. The girls all jump up and scream in excitement, uh, including Sophia. Uh, we quickly find out, however, that not everyone will be attending, uh, and Sophia insists that she's not going to be left out of this event, and that previously she even missed out on Evita. Yeah, it seemed a little unfair, this process, because, you know, eventually they, they, you know, do essentially vote her out or, or mm -hmm. determine that she's going to be excluded. But there really is no, like, actual thought given to, like, no. should we come up with a fair way? Yeah, to... there's no justification. It's yeah. just like, well, we don't want you to come. Yeah, I mean, Blanche <laughs> obviously deserves to be one of the ones. She, yeah, won, she the won the tickets, yeah. Um, but the other two, I mean, they should have just as equal claim as Sophia would have, in yeah. my opinion. I would so, think so, too. But... Yeah, I agree. Well, so Sophia said, suggested they draw it's, cards. Seems like they should do like a Burt Reynolds trivia contest or something. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it seems good... like Blanche would be able to judge that because she knows the most. Mm -hmm. She <laughs> asked some questions. Yeah, I agree. There should have been some sort of a, an impartial way to determine yeah. who deserves that. She did start throwing out uh, movie facts and saying <laughs> that he should have won the, the yeah. Oscar and such. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so, so yeah, like I said, Sophia suggested they draw cards, but the other girls aren't even willing to chance that. They're, they dismiss it outright. Upset by their stubbornness, she uh, tells them that if they need her, she'll be out back with the rest of the garbage. <laughs> uh, Dorothy tells the other girls that, you know, she'll get over it. And uh, Rose then, an odd swipe from Rose, she kind of juts in saying that uh, if she doesn't, you know, doesn't matter because they're going to see Burt Reynolds. Right. Yeah, there's a couple times in this episode where they get almost cartoonishly uh, excited about things. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I'm okay with some over the top, but it was, uh, I don't know, just a hair far in my you opinion. You see a, a, some elderly ladies jumping up and down and screaming about a celebrity. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine any person, you know, that's alive that I would be that excited <laughs> <laughs> to get to meet. Um <laughs> I mean, now maybe if it was something where it was like, oh, we, I still wouldn't be that excited even if it was someone dead. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I just can't imagine any, anything at all that would make me that excited. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> even if they were dead, we're like, oh, we brought Stanley back to life just to meet you. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, yeah. I mean, I'd be excited, but cool. I wouldn't be jumping up and down and screaming. Really? I mean, maybe in terror, but <laughs> not, zombie not, not in delight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just can't imagine. I don't know. Now, granted, my emotions are a little bit muted. I'm not like a super, yeah. you know, uh, super high energy person when it comes to, to mm -hmm. those kind of things. Although I think I have a generally positive attitude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't think of literally, like I could win the Powerball. And then get to meet a huge celebrity while picking up my check. And I still don't think <laughs> that yeah. I could have anything close to that level of excitement. You know, I'm going to have to step in here and say that I've seen you get very heated during the Colts playoffs and Pacers playoffs. Sure. Heated. Okay. I, I <laughs> All right. You may have got me there because there was one playoff game where I literally like ran around uh, the inside of my house because I was so excited about it. So that may be... So there may be a very, very small thing, but um, I don't know, though. That was it's pretty 2006. That had been like 14 years was ago. Was it when the Colts went to the Super Bowl? Or? Yeah, it was when they beat the Patriots to, to yeah. earn their trip to the Super Bowl that year. So um, so it was actually 2007 when that took place, but it's considered the 2006 season champion. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so that was probably the last time that I got anything close <laughs> to that excited. <laughs> well, they again, you know, start screaming and jumping up and down. <laughs> so it's, right. it's yeah. not enough that they already had one, you know, celebration like that after, uh, you know, saying Sophia's out, but we're in. Hooray. Right. They congratulate themselves yet again. Uh, at the same time, the exterminator is now coming back into the room and acts like they're celebrating because of him and uh, the fact that he wore his tight jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells the girls that they have termites under the house and the home will need to be gassed to get rid of all the bugs. Yeah, what uh, kind of dirty old women are these? I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They have infestations from four different kinds of bugs? I mean, have they ever cleaned? I'm or... sure the minks brought them in. Yeah, probably so. They must have brought in, like, the, not only were they too old to mate, but they were also flea-ridden and, exactly. you know. Well, what, what brought in the cockroaches? Well, I don't yeah. I'm just glad they'd already evicted Coco so they couldn't blame it on him. <laughs> right. right <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one was taking a turn. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden it becomes a highly racist <laughs> show. It's exactly. like, it not only is your food bad, but also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not bad necessarily, but yeah. too, too caliente. For, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Golden Girls tackle deportation. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're on the wrong side of history with it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Blanche suggests, you know, since they got to be out of the house anyway, that uh, since they're already going to see the movie premiere, they may as well, you know, get a hotel on the beach and make a little mini vacation out of the weekend. Uh, Rose is then kind of, she brings up she's afraid of the cost being too high, but Blanche insists that she'll find an affordable place for them to stay. At this point, they're all in and tell the exterm- exterminator he can start tomorrow. Now, this, they don't even ask him. Rose is worried about the cost of the <laughs> one night stay in a hotel. Now, yeah. granted, even if it's a swanky hotel, it's split three ways, mm-hmm. and she's Four. concerned about this. Oh, well, yes, they were going to take Sophia. Yeah. Now, I would say that in fairness, maybe they wouldn't make her pay a fourth just because then she doesn't get to go to the thing. It's like a consolation prize. Yeah, but she can't stay home in the gas house. <laughs> well, that's true. Hey, that brought, that's brought up later, so we'll, yeah. we'll tackle that in a second. But at the at the worst, they'd be split into three ways. Yeah. And they don't even ask this exterminator what the cost, cost is going to be. They're just yeah. like, yeah, it could be $100,000 for all we care. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not well, he does give them a piece of paper. I assume it's an estimate right. at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he exits. Blanston uh, tells the girl that she's going to head out to Miami Beach to find him a good hotel. Uh, Sophia comes back in then at that point. And uh, Dorothy tells her about the trip idea. And she quips, quips back sarcastically, oh, I get to go with you? I don't have to stay here and get gassed with the termites? <laughs> Which was an odd thing to say because she was not in the room when he said they had to put up a tent and gas. <laughs> or when they had termites. Yeah. Well, so I assume she must have been listening in, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe just on the other side or of maybe, that swinging door. Maybe we know where the bugs came from now. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> she loosened them in the house. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they all got imported from Shady Pines. Maybe. <laughs> Well, I was saying maybe, they, maybe this is Sophia's revenge. Oh, okay. It's like you exclude me from Evita. <laughs> what next? Did I'll we see show an Evita you. episode? I don't think there was. No, one. Okay. no. What? So I don't like them having adventures that we're not a part of. Right. Well, maybe we'll get a flashback of there. <laughs> Remember the night we went to see Evita, yeah. and then it'll just be Sophia sitting at home while <laughs> the three of them. <laughs> so yeah, she says, "Get gas with the termites." And then she tells them, she tells Dorothy, oh, you're such a good daughter, again, with the heavy sarcasm. Right. And uh, Dorothy then, you know, kind of turns to the girl and says, oh, she'll get over it. And repeats again the, the phrase from before, and if not, who cares? We're going to go meet Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and then again with the screaming and jumping up and down. Right. Yeah, because that excitement, it just doesn't wear off. It doesn't. That's It's Burt Reynolds down. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to find out because just, you know, with Burt Reynolds being a, um, out of the main focus of where they're trying to get to i would have been sure the burt reynolds at some point would have been like people's sexiest man alive but i guess he he never was voted that mm. so i don't know it's quite the travesty although in fairness that was i guess started in 85 so burt reynolds was probably just a little past his height yeah. as far as being a yeah you know because he would have been 49 yeah something so. like that so so, but he was a Playgirl centerfold. Yeah, he was a, actually the first male Playboy centerfold. So. Playboy or Playgirl? Playboy. Really? Mm-hmm. Playgirl. Oh, was it Playgirl? Playboy has naked ladies. I know, in it. but I think he was actually on Playboy and was a centerfold for that. <gasps> I think it was like the first issue of Playgirl. 
which was like the lady version that was. Well, I understand. I know. I know what <laughs> the two various magazines <laughs> exactly. are, but, but I think he actually appeared in Playboy. But I could be naked. One, like, I th- which was one where he was like naked on the rug. I, I thought that was. I thought I read it was Playboy. I thought that I read he was the first, but it, it, I could be wrong. Maybe he was the first centerfold for Playgirl. And I just how annoyed it. would you be if you got your Playboy in the mail? In oh moment? God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would certainly make a lot more sense if he was the first one for. But it said it specifically said he was the first male centerfold. So wouldn't every centerfold for Playgirl be a male? Assumably, I, don't know. I guess I thought he was the first because he was on the first issue. That could be, but I don't know why they would specify male in the description for it. So you can look it up while well, while Ski is continuing his recap. I, I, I know none of these details, so. Yeah. Well, can you dig out your old issues? <laughs> a Playboy, I mean, I'm not trying to. I have no such issues, Alan. <laughs> I'm trying to find a chaste way to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we change scenes now. Okay. Um, Dorothy and Sophia are okay. in a hotel room now. Side note. Okay. So it was for Cosmopolitan, and that's why he was the first ever male centerfold in oh, so Cosmopolitan. Cause it's, I didn't know, even know both. Cosmopolitan had centerfolds. Well, it looks like he did the Buffalo Bill. <laughs> where he well, yeah, yeah, where he's not actually showing. I just didn't realize that <laughs> Cosmo had centerfolds in a general sense at all. Oh, if I'd want a lit cigarette, well, nude. Well, especially as hairy as he is, seems like there'd be a lot of, uh, you know, yeah. brush fire <laughs> potential. <laughs> brush fire. Mm-hmm. I like that one, Alan. Oh, so, so the centerfold is what spawned Plague Girl magazine. Oh, okay. Well, How so about I, that? Yeah. We're, we're learning history, Alan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brent, you're, you're informing the masses. Yeah. I bet That's there are people at home wondering this stuff. Yeah. That's why we're broadcasters. <laughs> <laughs> the news our, from, from us to you folks. Exactly. <laughs> from 1972. Exactly. From the three of us to the dozens of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Biting current topics that you were wondering about from several, several years ago. Right. So, Brent, how would you feel if you had eight people, eight, eight people. to nine people that were relying on you for their news every day and, okay. you, and you had to be the one to deliver that? Do you think you would consistently get out there and make sure those eight to nine people were informed? I think so. Okay. Like we're talking like current events. Yeah. yeah oh, exactly. yeah. I think so. Now, I have a follow up question. Yes. <laughs> would you inform them like ethically, like like unbiased or would you give them a real strong like <laughs> like curve on the on the news? Like I mean, painting whoever you thought was a villain for the day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I would put my own sort of subtle spin on it. Good, uh, yeah. So you wouldn't be like, local moron congressman so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he made another bonehead move. Exactly. I wouldn't go that far, but I might be like... Trying to kill the babies. Frequently incorrect <laughs> politician. <laughs> So, well, do I get to pick the eight or nine topics I, I school them on? Well, it's you can tell them as much as you want. It's not eight or nine topics. It's eight or nine people gotcha. that are relying on you for their news. So whatever you consider to be the day's most important headlines. Okay. But, but you know they'll go gotcha. into the office or whatever expecting that Brent gave them everything they needed to know. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if I get to you know, decide on the topics of the day, then... Yeah, I think I would probably put more of a spin on it because it'd be one of those things that the most important topics of the day are stuff that's directly related to me. Mm. So (laughs) I had chicken Alfredo for dinner, people. It was good. They'd be going in fully prepared then. Yeah, exactly. Did you know what Brent had for dinner? Yeah, I did. I'm on the list. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. He could have knocked me over with a feather when he said he had garlic bread with it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, Brent, he's not a man for two starches, but bam, there it went. (laughs) (laughs) Every day is a surprise with with the news by Brent. Exactly. Just carbo loading. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, tomorrow's carnitas. I don't know. If you're giving an update every day, I feel like that the spoiler really ruins the next day a little bit. Probably so. Probably so. I got to give him a reason to come back. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Unless he throws him a curveball and says, didn't do carnitas, did something else. Yeah. Yeah, but then they would think it was fake news, and you don't want to start down <laughs> <Exactly>. that road. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. <laughs> this is just like the regular media. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. 
I thought that I could count on Brent for unbiased news, unbiased, honest reporting, and now here he is, flip-flopping on what his dinner was going to be. This whole bit was for loyal listener. Alfredo was my idol. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we've had any new new followers that I've noticed, but I'm sure Prince is my idol is still out there. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. Anyway, Ski, where were we? Oh, uh, we just changed scenes. And, Dorothy and, and Julie, too, and Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we definitely have... Uh, and uh, Sherry. Yeah, yeah, and Sherry's our most loyal listener, I would say. She, she probably listens. And there's a, there's a couple other people that I think listen consistently. Now, Ski's mm-hmm. wife, I think, uh, is not a loyal listener. I think she's listened to a handful of episodes. handful, probably. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know if it's just uh, maybe not her thing because um, she spends a lot of time in the car so she'd have mm-hmm. plenty of time to listen mm-hmm. to our entire Agreed. library yeah that's very true yeah. um and then i don't know about helena is she uh is she an avid listener or is she no. trailed off no i think she listened to one episode maybe two you're gonna have her listen to the recap so she can get all that valuable prince information i think she's good <laughs> okay <laughs> i think she's why good. would she need to listen to the recap when she's got him oh that's true mm-hmm. so does she ever come up to you and she's like so in 1987 uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, every once in a while she'll ask you know if i had a good show or mm. not um, and I'll, you know, I'll try to explain to her, you know, how it went or whatever, but I'm not really good at like telling jokes. So it just sort of comes across this awkward conversation. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you were to read a transcript, it would be pretty dry in yeah. general. Um, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. That said, I don't know. In a transcript, you would definitely come across the best because, because oh. you, you are definitely, um, you know, pretty deadpan with most of your deliveries. Gotcha. Uh, so, but they're, they're excellent deliveries. Oh, so. Thank you. I would agree. Anyways, so back to the episode? Yes. So, as I said, we were just changing scenes. Dorothy and Sophia are in a hotel room, and Dorothy is asking her mom what uh, bed she would like to sleep in. I think one's by in front of a TV, the other one's by a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sophia responds that she wants the one next to Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, kind of continues to lay on the guilt trip very thick. Acting like she's now having a, a coughing re- relapse from a previous bout of pneumonia. I think it was even a pneumonia fit from when she was uh, delivering a, what was it, cannoli? Yeah, yeah. Or to, something to, to her Dorothy. in the rain. Mm-hmm. It's typical, like, both ways uphill. Right. <laughs> it does seem like, does Sophia really seem like the kind of mom, though, who would go to all that trouble? Like, delivering a cannoli well, in the rain? Isn't cannoli a, a dessert anyway? Yeah, yeah. Who who cares about <laughs> Unless that's all you had to eat, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that would be, um, I don't know, that, that'd be an awful lot of effort to go through, even under the best of circumstances, <laughs> even yeah. with the you know most beautiful day out that you can imagine. Maybe it was just that good of a cannoli yeah, she had to share with her daughter. She knew that the second half of Dorothy's day would be destroyed if that cannoli wasn't there in the lunch for her. Her life would not be as good if it wasn't in her palate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is in her palate. <laughs> I don't know. That probably isn't quite right. <laughs> we'll just say, I'm not going to leave In her face it. hole. In her face <laughs> hole. Ingested by and tasted by her daughter. All right. <laughs> Cannoli is just an odd shaped pastry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll veer from that thought there. Uh, Blanche pays her no mind. Uh, despite her uh, her guilt trip, yeah, she asked Dorothy if uh, she thinks Bert will like the sparkly blue dress she's holding. Uh, Dorothy cleverly responds uh, that the low neckline will really show off Bert's chest hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche tells a story and then about the last time she wore that dress, which was the the presidential inauguration in 1972. Mm-hmm. He explains that she had uh, spent the night with the winner and mm-hmm. woke up again in his arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy, hey, real quick, there is no way to spin this story where it's not where she had cheated on George, right? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's good point. Been, you know, Fourteen years earlier, right? There's no way he was not, you know, her husband at that time. Yeah, I would have to think so too. Um, yeah, I don't know. They do play fast and loose with their timelines, so. <laughs> <laughs> but part of me was like, I mean. I, 
did people in 1986 think that 1972 was just so long ago <laughs> that it would have predated George? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, because that would have put Blanche in her 30s at the yeah. time. So, you know, I, and I definitely never got the impression that George disappeared, yeah. you know, 20 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> so. I kind of do wonder if the, uh, the, the writers ever get together and say, well, what did you say in your episode? Yeah, well, no. that doesn't jive with mine at all. We're like... At the time, I mean, most shows had a, quote, show Bible, unquote, that had all those little things on there. And now they just, you know, go online or Wikipedia or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, continuity is the one. I mean, you can call it a fault. I mean, who really cares? None (laughs) of it really matters. But it's definitely the one flaw, I guess, that uh, the series has consistently. (laughs) (laughs) So Dorothy assumes, of course, that she meant President Nixon. But uh, Blanche scoffs and says uh, that she that he probably doesn't even have man parts, <laughs> just a mound where stuff should be. Yeah. I thought that was pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah, it was an odd. I'm spike. not a Nixon <laughs> fan, but man, yeah. uh, she was referring, of course, of course, to of the course. president of the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't write. What did you guys write down his name? I did not. Yeah, William Buster Collier. That's oh, a name. Yeah, right there. that's a good the, name. Uh, was the president was at the chamber of commerce she said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now i was wondering because you know she talks about that he died mm-hmm. uh cutting the ribbon at a toll booth <laughs> that yeah. he's open no not cutting the ribbon he was going so you know he apparently wanted blanche to be his first lady but he passed away two days after entering office he was going to break a bottle across oh, a toll right. booth a new toll booth for town mm-hmm. uh but then you know he was mowed down by uh the uh Shriner mini bike accident. <laughs> it just seemed like a rose story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did because it was so far fetched. Because um, <laughs> all of it, for one, you'd have to, how podunk of a town would it have to be to break a <laughs> bottle of champagne <laughs> on a new toll booth? And then wouldn't Shriners on mini bikes? have enough time to stop those before they think, you know killed a man maybe the first one would get him but the other nine right yeah exactly <laughs> so. and plus mini bikes i mean granted they can get some speed going but i don't yeah. think they're gonna <laughs> they kind of just fall over i would think yeah I would maybe think so too. break his knees yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think they would have you know they've been at a dead stop for him to do the thing and then they take off right like they didn't have enough time to get up to a decent speed yeah i mean unless unless they had that kind where you could throw the change in as you yeah. rode by yeah. which uh you know well they did say that they had exact change mm-hmm. yeah that is true so well, i also don't understand why this podunk town has a toll booth right <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just figured they needed to charge people from florida coming up into georgia uh, or something like that possibly for, you know just to bump up their revenue a little bit mm-hmm. so. <laughs> i was wondering because you know i looked up to see that just the name. I, I didn't figure that that was an actual politician, but there was a a, a play. Or what was he? A producer, an actor named William Buster Collier. William Collier, whose mm-hmm. nickname was Buster. Okay. And um, he had died February fifth of eighty seven, mm-hmm. and I just wondered if by any chance that that name was thrown in as a you know homage yeah. to him. Because well, well, this was in eighty six. Oh, yeah. that's true. So, well, I mean, still maybe it could have been. Maybe he may it have been homage, an, but it may have still been a, a person, a living person. Yeah. Yeah. They knew he was on his deathbed. Yeah. So yeah. they figured they'd throw it's him into the Golden Girls. Yeah. yeah. Well, at this point, Rose enters and starts telling the girls about an article in the paper uh, that was talking about uh, the premiere and various celebrities that would be attending. I like this bit. <laughs> the girls get excited about everybody. Uh, with the exception of Charles Nelson Riley. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that they totally shit on Charles Nelson Riley either, especially because you figure, you know, Betty White was on game yeah. shows with Charles Nelson That's Riley. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, on a pretty regular basis. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think the joke should have been that they were just even more excited about right. him. Well, she does, she does repeat <clears throat> his name twice. Yeah, just so, to make sure yeah. that they... Yeah, that was it. Was a funny bit, but I just thought it was a little unfair to <laughs> CNR. Yeah. Um, you know, I, ironically, Charles Nelson Riley, Dom DeLuise, Burt Reynolds, Lonnie Anderson um, were all names mentioned by who was there. All four of those people went on to be in a All Dogs Go to Heaven in 1989. What? <laughs> yeah, all four of them. <laughs> that's crazy. That. Yeah, that's such a weird thing that. Those four people it all happened. What year was that? Uh, 89 was when. That so that, yeah, they, they like, we were all in the Golden Girls together unofficially. 
What do you guys think? <laughs> was John Forsyth in the? He was not, but but all the people in the initial naming of them. Uh, I think it's just because that was Bert's crew. It could be, yeah. You know. Also, do you think all, all Dogs Go to Heaven was like a Bert Reynolds vehicle to begin with? Yeah, I think so. I, I just always assume. I mean, I guess I, I always assume with voice actors in general, at least the first time around, mm-hmm. that it's. Uh, you know, just who's ever big at the time. Yeah. Not like, oh, you know, me and my buddies, we wrote this movie about dogs going to heaven. (laughs) I think that was just one of his things that, you know, like if you want Bert, you got to pay his friends too. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Monty Anderson was was his wife too, right? Yeah, exactly. Lord knows Dom DeLuise can't get work on his own. (laughs) Well, and Blanche hears that John Forsythe is also going to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And Bert Reynolds. She starts getting kind of overly excited and is talking about how, you know, sexy they both are and how everyone's going to be crammed in that small, steamy area. Mm-hmm. Dorothy then has to get up and calm her back down. Uh, right then the phone rings, Rose answers, uh, and we quickly find that this uh, person on the other line is, uh, is Sophia in a uh, failed attempt to uh, get, scam Rose out of uh, giving her ticket away, right. saying that she won the publisher's clearinghouse which would uh, leave, the, leave her ticket to the Burt Reynolds <laughs> premiere on the counter when she goes to claim it, right? Yeah, th- this episode had two of my favorite gags that are sitcom kind of staples. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that one where, you know, you're just hearing one side of the conversation. Um, and then I also love, which this happens a little later on, but the kind of thing where two people are talking about different things, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, they mix them together. Well, which we'll get to that part in a minute. But <laughs> those are two of my favorite tropes of sitcoms. Yeah. But I was glad to see them both make an appearance in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now we flash forward a little bit. Uh, later in the night, uh, we're, we're in the hotel lobby. A young lady and a man approach uh, the service desk at the hotel. And uh, the lady asks uh, what rooms are available. He tells them that uh, room 506 is free. And then he talks to the man saying that the room is $50 and the girl is 100 And to make it quick, I'm not running a hotel here. Which seems funny. Yeah. <laughs> it seems odd that the the desk man is the pimp. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I would have never have assumed that. I guess it would be a, a decent cover. Yeah. It seems weird, too, though. That says, don't you see, officer, the tag? It's my name. <laughs> right. But who would pick? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you figure there'd probably be a lot of convention years and things like that in nearby hotels. So maybe that's why it would make sense to have a high property value place as your brothel, basically. It's right on the beach, too. So, you know. But still, it just seems like that ultimately you'd make more money selling the building to a legitimate um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, person than you'll make over time from your stable of women. Well, I'm sure it's one of those things that maybe the owner doesn't realize that's going on. Mm. It's just a shady desk guy who's running the business. So do you think the owner's just like, why the hell can I charge a higher rate for this hotel? <laughs> it seems like at some point he'd look at the books and wonder why they were renting the rooms out for so cheap when his neighboring properties were apparently... Maybe they had termites and cockroaches. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bed bugs now. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary stuff. Scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, then the girls, of course, enter right after this. They did not hear any of this exchange. Uh, they're all dressed up for the uh, evening movie event. Rose kind of asks uh, Blanche how she found such a nice place. And uh, Blanche responds that uh, it was in their price range, you know, right by the beach. And it had the most men in the lobby, which we figure out why soon. Uh, Dorothy suggested they go ahead and get going so they won't be late. Uh, but Blanche really wants to get a drink real quick from the bar before heading out. Well, they sit down, and uh, Blanche immediately notices that a man is kind of looking over at her. He then approaches and signals for his best, his two friends to come over. Uh, they explain that they are in town for a clothing convention. I like the, um, the line where Blanche said that he's undressing her with his eyes. Right. And Rose asks if they should move, and she's like, no, he's not done yet. Right, yeah, yeah that was a good line. Um, and he's from a clothing convention, so <laughs> he's got a special perspective, right? Yeah, he may be undressing her with his eyes so that he can then redress her with whatever exactly. line he's pushing. Yeah, that dress Purely is hideous on her. Yeah. She needs to be in this other pattern. Mm. <laughs> exactly. A nice sweater and a sports coat like Dorothy. <laughs> uh, the men uh, kind of make uh, several innuendo jokes, assuming that they are... <clears throat> Working girls before asking ultimately if they can go upstairs and learn the three R's. 
uh, from uh, Dorothy because she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Reading, writing, and ring around the bed. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was running around the bed, but either yeah, way, I thought it was a pretty... Uh, now, granted, these three seem like guys who would need to pay for it. Um, <laughs> they were not Kenosha's finest. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and granted, they were a bit younger than the uh, Golden Girls are. Yeah. But at the same time, um, they were not smooth operators whatsoever. <laughs> they didn't seem like... Socially lacking, maybe? Yeah, exactly. And that joke was just terrible. <laughs> so I don't think they would have earned any points with them <laughs> with their three R's joke. Yeah, but. Well, the girls, of course, declined this offer, and the men, somewhat offended, say, that, "You know, there are plenty of younger girls around that'll take their money." Dorothy immediately. It doesn't seem like they would have started there first, like, like approach a younger girl or whatever. Yeah. Like, why would you start with Dorothy and them unless you thought that you get like a discounted rate? Like, if you're a pervert on a budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're you're not getting a brand new car. You're getting exactly. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Solid used car. Yeah, a well-maintained, exactly. you know, older model. Um, <laughs> it's going to be missing that new car smell. <laughs> uh, Dorothy immediately realized what the men were considering them. And uh, Rose asked, what, waitresses? <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in this one. Uh, Dorothy corrects her saying that no, they thought they were hookers. And just then the cops bust in stating that this is a raid. Everyone, you know, is under arrest. Yeah. So... Then we have a cut scene by the end of just a commercial because we still find the girls uh, still in the hotel bar, sitting at the table. And the officer who's clearly in charge, uh, we, we know he's in charge, by the way, because he's the one wearing a suit. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and talking more. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one with lines. <laughs> right. And, you know, he announces that everyone needs to stay put and then they'll soon be taken downtown. Mm-hmm. I think he even says something about paddy wagons. Yeah, driving. yeah, they're on the way. <laughs> Uh, Rose quickly realizes that, you know, downtown, that means going to jail. And she explains that she's never been to jail. And then she enters into what I feel is a legendary story scenario wherein, you know, being the weak and innocent person that she is, she is taunted in jail and forced into a, you know, a daring escape ultimately from, I guess, prison. Right. Uh, And then ultimately living in in fear of the authorities. (laughs) Until they ultimately find her in a shack in the bayou, right? Yeah. And riddle her body with bullets. Yeah, I thought that that was probably to this point made my favorite rose. It wasn't a story per se, but just the way she spied. The first line of it was maybe my favorite. It was in contention for my favorite line of the episode where she's, the others will taunt me for trying to excel at my work in the laundry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that This has definitely great. been my favorite Rose like mm-hmm. tangent story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I don't know. What kept it from being top tier for me was when she said that she might have to get a job like people who don't do well in school. Right. <laughs> that was I actually like that because that was so like and I was like, weren't you harsh. Just barely qualified to be a waitress to the episodes back? <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently that what that uh, particular cafe has all you know, <laughs> Doctor Laureate, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. highest caliber yeah. clothing salesman. Yeah. It's, it's like three times this episode where you know these harlots have been kind of uppity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're definitely looking down the lower class in this episode yeah. quite a bit. I mean, yeah. you know, they've already taken a shot at the exterminator, then just a shot at. People who you didn't do well in school, exactly, <laughs> or I guess just people with low end jobs because apparently they yeah. must have gotten bad grades. But and then and we get to another shot here in just a second. <laughs> and so you know she starts kind of falling apart, and Dorothy uh, points out that she's not very good under pressure, and or I think she even says crisis. Yeah, which of course brings us back to Rose is a crisis manager. Well, she's a grief counselor. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess she's okay with it after the crisis has passed and yeah. then the grief sets in. <laughs> but in but the, the heat of it, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't call. Well, in fairness, I mean, we she, saw how she reacted after the, uh, you know, the, the break-in. So, we know, <laughs> you know, Rose can be a bit high-strung at times. Yeah. So, I mean, if she falls apart after, you know, Dorothy gets shivved in prison, then we'll know she's not a good grief counselor. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dorothy then goes over to talk to uh, the main police guy and explain that there has been, you know, obviously a misunderstanding that her and her friends have been mixed up with this erroneously and that they are innocent. 
hearing this, the other girls around uh, start piping in, say, yeah, we're innocent too. And uh, Blanche tells them, quiet, you trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah, another shot. I, I, they were pretty harsh towards the, um, you know, the, the working women there. But, cause well, the others... Blanche definitely gives it away a lot. And she is probably the harshest. Oh, yeah, on... definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she's really harsh towards them. And, yeah, she's trying to make there's a living. A strong air of superiority in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy then you know suggests that if she could just have a moment of the the police officer's time, she can solve this issue to his satisfaction. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what she was thinking, but uh, the language she uses, of course, is not helpful, and uh, and and they're sinking cause here. Uh, Blanston joins in and tells him that you know no no we were just getting ready to go see Burt Reynolds. Uh, even more upset after this, he tells her not to drag Burt into this matter, and then everybody needs to get moving. And then they head on off to prison, <laughs> or I guess just probably the county jail at that point. So, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say that that jail must have gotten really packed that night because there was a pretty good number <laughs> of people in that lobby between the uh, customers were, yeah. and the. And you'd have to assume they'd need to go door to door in the rooms, too, um, uh, yeah. to you know, get the people actually committing a crime. Because yeah. <laughs> most of the others aren't actually committing a crime at that They're point. Just, yeah, just yeah. present. Yeah. 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 So I don't think you can arrest somebody because they look like they may be a prostitute and they're look, talking to someone who's <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. you know, dweebish looking guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, at most, I mean, it would be like, you know, being at a public nuisance type right. establishment or whatever. And I think that's just a ticket. Like, I don't think they haul you down there for that. Yeah, that's what I figured too. I mean, I, I think you have to have something, some proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they're actually doing the dirty deed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I think in stings, uh, it wasn't even a sting, it was just a raid. Yeah. I think in those instances, they actually may be able to bring you down and then sort people out after the fact. Oh, okay. Really? As long as you're on the premises or something. But like, so they just ask you questions like, were you whoring? <laughs> I don't know how they would do it. <laughs> uh, well, they would have to obviously have some kind of evidence. You're right, though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know if they would book them entirely. I think that they would maybe question them first or I don't know. Maybe that's against protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I guess uh, the regulations too in 1986 may have been a little <laughs> different than what they are now. So I know you've been caught up in a lot of those raids. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were all post 92. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of them. Some of them post 92. <laughs> I would have been like 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, you figure 93 is when we graduated from grade school, so you would have been, you know, 14 <laughs> at that point. Um, <laughs> I don't know when you got grass on the field. Sorry. <laughs> I was interested way younger, so, you know. Yeah, he was lying about it by then, that's for sure. Not, not necessarily <laughs> the, the grass, but the, you know, <laughs> but the players on the field. <laughs> gotcha. Well said. Yeah. Uh, now we got a scene change. We see uh, Dorothy and Blanche are uh, standing in the jail cell in the kind of classic holding the bars stance. Uh, Blanche explains that she's never been arrested, and uh, a nearby hooker then says, with as many notches as you must have in your guard belt, it was bound to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, an officer then brings uh, Rose into the holding area. The girls kind of go up to her real fast and comfort her, uh, but she is confident that she'll never be able to face her hometown again after this indignation. I think she even talks about uh, how they, they say that, you know, no one will ever know. And she talks about the uh, local newspaper being extremely good uh, journalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the St. Olaf Courier Express. Crew, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to see if I can get a, a subscription to that. <laughs> you know, like to support our local newspapers. Look into it, yeah, yeah. Blanchton points out to the girls that uh, Bird is probably greeting his guests as they speak. And then she kind of gets up and... Uh, Starts attempting to sweet talk an officer who's guarding the holding cell, uh, with uh, face op- facing the opposite way. Though, uh, it turns out it's a female cop who uh, doesn't seem to be quite interested right. in her advances. Like that female guard just has like this weird shit-eating grin on her yeah. face when she turned around. <laughs> yeah, well, she, it's like she, she knew something like, she was going to have the <laughs> reveal there. <laughs> exactly. I always think it was like a contest winner or something. Right. <laughs> it's like, when I walk on put on the Golden Girls. <laughs> it's like, the, oh, you're a broad-shouldered lady. We got a perfect role for you. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't even Blanche say like, oh, nice earrings. Yeah. To try and cover her tracks. Uh, Dorothy asks if she seriously thought that that could talk that she could talk her way out of this, 
and Blanche insists that if it was a man, she probably had a chance. Uh, Rose jumps in and accuses Blanche of always having men and sex on her brain and that uh, that kind of thinking is what landed them in this situation in the first place. Another prostitute kind of stops Rose and says, there's nothing wrong with being career-oriented. Yeah, I thought that was a, a good line. Yeah. Um, which, that actress that said that particular line, uh-huh. uh, let's see, I, I wrote her name down somewhere, but she was actually Rue McClanahan's niece. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 so I guess that must have been her way to get into, you know, get on the show, but I thought that was pretty cool. So. Didn't, uh, what was it Blanche's, like, pretend niece? That was also a floozy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she she didn't get money for it, but yeah, she yeah. was uh you know hopped around to many suitors. So her actually her actual yeah. niece. Yeah, was the one playing. <laughs> yeah, and her actual Amelia Kincaid is yeah. her name, and uh, you probably remember her most from her uh, Night of the Demons one, two, and three uh, yes. that she. Was I in. do not. <laughs> and also Roadhouse. Yeah. That's what got her into the Horror Movie Hall of Fame. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know there was a Horror Movie Hall of Fame. Like Horror Movie Star Hall of Fame or something. What were those movies called again? Fast and Loose with the Word Star. Night of the Demon 1, 2, and 3. I mean, do you think they gave her that role to make up for the fact that they did not cast her as the niece? I mean, it could be. Do you mean the role of the prostitute? Yeah, yeah. Consolation Prize? Yeah. I don't know, though. Like, I don't know if she would have been young enough to play the niece-type role that they wanted the other yeah. one to play. True. I can't remember for yeah, sure. Yeah, she was quite a bit younger, I think. Yeah. Although, uh, I mean, I, they had a lot of makeup on her, so it's hard to necessarily tell. Yeah. Okay, so Amelia Kincaid, okay, um, the niece, okay, inducted into the Horror Movie Hall of Fame, okay, at a film festival devoted entirely to her. celebrating her cult status as the first female monster in movie history which I would have guessed would have been like Bride of Frankenstein yeah I guess it depends on your definition of monster (laughs) exactly so in addition to her starring roles in the Night of the Demons trilogy uh, starred in Young and Restless yada yada published books yada 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 Amelia Kincaid's horse whispering gifts won her client. <laughs> what? Luciana did as a gold and silver medals at the Long E Global Tim- Championship. Yada, yada, yada. Amelia Kincaid is the only psychic ever to be invited to Buckingham <laughs> Palace to whisper with the horses of Queen Elizabeth II. So quite the life. That, is, that really is. I mean, man, don't get me wrong. There are times when I see people who are young and super successful and that makes me feel a little bit like uh you know i have definitely um have not gone as far in life as i probably should have yeah but then there's someone like that who it's like wow that person puts most people to shame i mean yeah. she, she's lived like four lives in the course exactly. of her life <laughs> so horse whispering horror hall of fame amelia kincaid yeah my mvp for the episode <laughs> that tracks <laughs> So, you know, Rose jumps on Blanche, says, you know, you got sex and men on the brain all the time. Uh, Blanche tells, you know, Rose to get off her back and points that she's not happy about being there either and uh, doesn't like being, you know, locked up with this gutter trash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This comment does not sit well with one of the prisoners. (laughs) Uh, Lady that gets down off the top bunk and uh, challenges Blanche to a fight, offering her the first punch. The other ladies in the cell are almost comically egging her on like, fight. Fight, fight. Like, that seems very unrealistic to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it would be or wouldn't be, but it would certainly alert the guard almost immediately <laughs> yeah. to come and intervene. Unless the guard's down for that. Say, oh, yeah, yeah take be. care of that. Like, well, if One they, less if, process. Yeah, maybe figure, well, if, it, if they fight, then they'll be more docile because they'll be worn out. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure the guard was like, oh, they're going to beat up the one that said I was managed. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. That. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't have a lot of incentive to help her out. Yeah, Blanche definitely deserved a beat down in this episode, too. <laughs> yeah, beat her down like a minx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Dorothy forcefully steps in you know, and says that if she wants to fight, she'll have to fight her, uh, but warns her that she's done time in Attica. Uh, the rowdy gutter trash <laughs> points out that Attica... <laughs> I was really proud of myself on that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Points out the atticism. I can tell it's bold and underlined. <laughs> she points out that Attica is a men's prison, and uh, Dorothy responds perfectly, I think, saying, I know, I was there for a year before they found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, uh, well, that was a good line. Then it was followed by what is in, was in high contention for my favorite line of the episode because they're congratulating her on you know diffusing the situation and handling herself so well. And she says, uh, I work in the public school system. It's not that different from this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that definitely uh, plays into some jokes that Brent has made earlier in the season <laughs> about her stately appearance. <laughs> well, earlier on, uh, when she goes to talk to the, uh, the cop and tries to get her crew out of this, uh, didn't he say the elder statesman? <laughs> like he calls her. And I'm That's assuming because she's older, but <laughs> elder, well, no, I'm saying elder statesman. Oh, is like, as opposed to like elder stateswoman. Or lady or yeah. something, yeah. You also assume Rose is trying to escape from prison in her anecdotes. So <laughs> you had a lot of assumptions in this episode. Yeah, you're really, you're really taking a lot of leaps. <laughs> you need to stick to the scripts, Key. <laughs> I write it. It's my script. I stick to it. Oh, fair enough, but... But uh, so yeah, she backs off, and Rose and Blanche are you know, astounded that she was you know how she pulled that off, and like you said, she tells them that she works in the public school system, <laughs> and it's really not much different. Um, the girls then sit back down on the bench and talk about how disappointing the situation is. Rose starts in on a story about uh, you know disappointment as a young lady, and Dorothy stops her and asks if this is regarding you know, the exploding pig again, and Rose says, "No, I never told you a story about an exploding pig." Yeah, there was a, a peg leg pig and an exploding <laughs> possum. <laughs> so she then tells him about how she uh, trained re- restlessly and relentlessly to be the uh, winner of the, the Butter Queen contest, mm-hmm. the town's highest honor. Uh, and during the night of the competition, uh, butter was spelled R O S E. So th- this, there's a few of these, like, they're my favorite lines back to back. That was definitely a contention. Yeah. Uh, she later found out that she had lost in part due to a churn tampering event mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're butter churning. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to be the butter queen, you got to be good at churning and, uh, you know, and honestly, if you, if you want to be the one that wins, sometimes there may be a little bit of foul play involved, you know, <laughs> that's something that should be town's expected. highest honor. You exactly. Know, it's, it's, yeah. You don't think that there's a, you know, some shenanigans with politics sometimes. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet some of those girls were juicing, too. <laughs> Probably. <yeah. laughs> like injecting butter in their veins to <laughs> help them to, you know, really become one with one the... One with the butter. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And after that uh, story, Dorothy and Blanche opt to sit on the other side of the holding cell. And one of the working girls, a girl named Meg, approaches Rose and tells her that, uh, you know, she comes from a city right next to St. Olaf, St. Gustav. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose asks how she got mixed up in this type of life, and Meg tells her that, you know, life at home was hard. Uh, when Rose starts insisting that it couldn't have been, you know, bad enough to take up hooking, Meg says that she doesn't want to even talk about it. Rose tells her, you know, well, if you ever do want to talk about it, I'm here for you. Uh, just then, Sophia shows up, and the girls kind of rush to the uh, gate cell to talk to her. Were you going to say something? I was just going to comment that, you know, for somebody from, you know, neighboring town of St. Gustav or whatever. Yeah. She had an awful thick New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she moved to New York for a while before, you know, then... Relocating to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be that she left St. Gustav or whatever it was, um, went to follow her dreams in New York. Yeah. Those got crushed also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, started off with a bad upbringing, then a bad yeah. experience, you know, on the East Coast, gotcha. and then headed down further, I guess, along the East Coast to... Yeah. You so know. she ended up in Miami, a two-time loser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be that uh, St. Gustav has a, a strong New York populace. <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> Some imports there. Yes, it could. Uh, Sophia says she can't believe they were arrested for prostitution. Blanche, of course, tells her that they're you know innocent. And Sophia said, I don't know. I can't believe these dumb cops were, would think anyone would pay money to sleep with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, insulted by this, but willing to, or but you know, wanting to get back to the point, Rose asks if Sophia has come to bail them out. Uh, Sophia then asks which one of the girls is now willing to give up their ticket because mm-hmm. she'd come down to get them. They bicker back and forth and are still unwilling to give Sophia a ticket. 
Sophia then snatches uh, the tickets from Blanche's hand. She had been kind of waving yeah. them around saying, Woohoo, I think we're going to get to finally use these. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing she would have checked with her bag. Yeah, <laughs> you'd think so. Yeah, there are definitely some issues in, in general there. You weren't real padded down. <laughs> right. Well, because, yeah, you figure that. You know, Rose talks about being, I think, searched and fingerprinted and having her mug shot. So they definitely got say, processed yeah. in to some extent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would think they definitely would have collected all of their personal <laughs> effects. Maybe, maybe she had the tickets tucked oh. and they didn't pat her down that well. Hmm. So like this isn't something where they did a strip search or anything like that. They yeah. just gave them a cursory, you know, <laughs> no, no, down. no obvious weapons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a recipe for disaster for the <laughs> Miami-Dade Police Department. <laughs> I would think so, too. So, yeah, they're breaking back and forth. Sophia snatches the tickets from Blanche's outreached hand and then tells the police officer who's walking down the hall, he says, where are your roommates? And she, she says, they're not here. <laughs> uh, then Dorothy, you know, they all pro- kind of protest, and she asks her mother if she'd really forsake her own flesh and blood. And Sophia gives the perfect comeback. That, you know, she'll get over it. And if she doesn't, who cares? I'm on my way to see Burt Reynolds. <laughs> That's a very uh, biting revenge on them. Now, I would say that I feel like Sophia should have given them one more chance to make a choice between the three of them. <laughs> or at the very least, they should have lied and been like, yeah, you know, one of them will offer to sit out and then just take the tickets from her at the last minute or something yeah. like that. Um, because... Two people definitely got screwed out of going to see this <gasps> premiere and, yes. and Burt Reynolds. So, yeah. uh, you know, now I could see that Sophia would, would feel like, yeah, she should be entitled <laughs> to some, you know, compensation for coming out to get them out of jail. At but, this point, I think she's just trying to teach them all a lesson for yeah. being greedy. And yeah, well, she definitely teaches them a good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she says she's on her way to see Bert, And then we have our last scene changed. At this point, we see the girls are all home, sitting on the couch in the living room, and Sophia is recounting the uh, exciting stories from the premiere party. Blanche kind of stops her, saying that she doesn't want to hear anymore. Dorothy agrees and insists that, you know, they're not jealous, they're just angry because she left them in jail. Sophia then points out that she did pay them bail money, and they were out within an hour. Dorothy accused her mother of making up a lot of these uh, stories, exaggerating them to rub in how much uh, fun the party was. And that she never met some of these celebrities that she's uh, claiming to have seen or right. talked to. Uh, then the doorbell rings. Rose gets up to answer. And as she's walking towards the door, she tells him that she's decided that last night's trip to jail was even worse and more disappointing than losing Butter Queen. Right. And then you know, she says, do you want to know why? And they both respond in unison, no. <laughs> so at that, uh, at the door was Meg, uh, Meg the Hooker. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> she thanked Rose Meg for convincing. Say what? Meg the former hooker. Oh yeah, yeah. At this point, she's uh, she's giving it up. She thanked well, Rose. Well, she was giving it up before. Now she's <laughs> retiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, she wasn't giving it up before. She was selling it before. Now she'll start giving it up. You know, hopefully to one lucky person. Yeah. <laughs> or however many lucky people she wants to give it up to, but it'll be her choice. Exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. So she she went she came by just to thank Rose uh, for convincing her to you know go back home and give it another try, uh, not because of you know, comforting words or any wisdom she gave her, but because she realized she didn't want to be end up a, an old lady prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was odd that she made the trip <laughs> to come out just to essentially insult her. I mean, like, hey, FYI, I did this because I don't want to be as old as you and, yeah, and still it's still in the game. Yeah. yeah. I think she even says in the business, right? Mm, something like exactly. that. Which means that the best part of the whole thing is that she's now going to go back to Rose's area and be like, I met the oldest prostitute ever. Her name's Rose. <laughs> you guys know her? <laughs> you know you know that's going to get picked up by the paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those intrepid reporters are definitely yeah. going to snip that one out. Um, Rose's secret. You guys won't believe safe. this. I was in St. Gustav last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, Front page. There was part of it, too, was, um, you know, listen, I know there are many different uh, reasons that can lead to someone choosing to become a prostitute. Mm-hmm. You know, or choosing is probably not even the right word, but lead them to become a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know that the issue she ran away from at home would necessarily be that good. Like, I could see that like, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should try a different, mm-hmm. you know, go somewhere else, start fresh again, Yeah. Um, you know, with a 
a more legal lifestyle. Yeah, but uh, whatever you're running from is probably still there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's things that happen to people that push them in the wrong directions, <laughs> and there's a good chance that some of those things happen back at St. Gustav. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll see her again in uh, Miami. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think that Meg's dad is dead now, and that's why <laughs> <laughs> she's decided to head back there because you know. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, she uh, she you know kind of bids her farewell because her taxi's waiting on her. Uh, Rose closes the door and she says, you know, she's very happy that Meg has given up that lifestyle. Kind of smiling, she says that she's never felt so good and cheap in her whole life. Uh, the doorbell rings again this time. Uh, Dorothy gets up to answer the door. Uh, Bert Reynolds enters and asks if uh, Sophia is around. Of course, the others. Hooping and hollering from the uh, studio audience. Mm-hmm. Sophia hears uh, Bert and enters the room says, Oh, hi, Bert. Uh, he then suggests that they uh, get lunch, and she agrees. Uh, the girls are, of course, dumbfounded, seeing Bert Reynolds mm-hmm. in the flesh. He asks Sophia if these are the roommates she had told him so much about, and she says yes. And then he kind of like leans down to her and says, mm-hmm. Which one is the slut? <laughs> yeah. They all immediately raise their hands and say, I am... <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a good good ending. Um, ending we, yeah, line. we wrap it up at that point yeah. as they they leave. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, Burt Reynolds, obviously by a long shot the biggest celebrity mm-hmm. guest star at this point. I mean, Flo was you know she certainly had a very great career, but I don't yeah. think she was ever even at her heights yeah. at the height that Burt Reynolds was at his height. Agreed. Um, so I was kind of thinking that we were going to get uh, Don Johnson. Several episodes back, but that didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been a, a big suit. one. Now, I would yeah. say that it, in the grand scheme of things, Burt Reynolds definitely trumps Don Johnson. Um, but Don Johnson would have been... Back probably, in the 80s, it would have been yeah, huge, too. Yeah, would have been too, a huge yeah. star back then. Yeah. So, Although Don Johnson's still making stuff and still a quality actor. So, you know, he's had a pretty good longevity to his career so far as well. Yeah. But So, anyway, uh, there was a, a one little thing that we skipped over. A couple, you know other guest stars that were in there um the exterminator uh he had been in 93 different things over the course of his career but he died at age 51 so oh, man. yeah died a fairly young death in 92 and then uh peter jackson he was the policeman apparently i, I didn't watch deadwood but i know some people are big fans of that show and he was a regular on that as well as in the movie um so he was another of the guest actors and then uh susan uh, Sparker, I believe is her name. Uh, she, I believe that she was somebody at the hotel. She was the only other person um, that had like a significant career um, or significant acting career, I should say. But she had 83 credits. And I'm sure you guys would remember her most from her 2019 short as Judy in the uh, show Crap or the, the, the short, short Crap. Um, standing, of course, for kids' repertory and... Um, <laughs> Academy of Performance. <laughs> so you remember 2019? Right? Yeah, 2019. Yeah. So that's just just oh, just yeah. last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm of sure. Course. I imagine that when the I Al- thought you meant crap from you know early 90s. No, no, not that <laughs> crap. That's the C R A P. Wholly different movie. Different <laughs> different genre altogether. Gotcha, <laughs> but, gotcha. So yeah. Um, but one thing that was mentioned in there, there was a part that uh, Blanche was. I think it was during Rose's Butter story. And um, Blanche starts saying about how when she was a kid, she envisioned herself like she basically is talking about something at all, you know, completely unrelated because she's yeah. tuned Rose out. Yeah. And uh, she says she envisioned herself more as Olivia de Havilland, mm-hmm. um, who apparently was in she was in Gone with the Wind and some Errol Flynn movies also. <laughs> and she is still alive. On July 1st, she celebrated her 104th birthday. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so so she far outlived <laughs> Rue McClanahan, um, who had died, I think, at 76. So, so Goodness. Yeah, she had good aspirations. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyways. So, was that one of the tropes you were talking about, how they got the two different stories going at the same time? No, that one was, because she was just, you know, I think, intentionally ignoring what Rose, Rose was, was saying, saying and making up her own story. Um, but no, the, the two that I liked were the, you know, one-sided conversation thing. I, uh-huh. I always enjoy that. And then also the part where the Johns were talking about one oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, they were all the innuendo jokes. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so... Uh, did either of you have any other little bits of trivia for this episode? I think we packed it with quite a few little tidbits yeah. already. 
Yeah, uh, I think I'm good. New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing else. Okay. I, I, I do like so. I guess this was like Bert's trial run to decide if he wanted to go back to network sitcoms or oh. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just give it like 15 minutes of yeah. You know. right, see if he can get used to it. So. Because I didn't realize that, because I guess the next big thing he did after this was the show Out of This World. Oh, okay. I don't know if you ever watched that one or not. No, I, I vaguely remember it being on air, but I, yeah. it was never something I watched. Yeah. I was afraid you were going to tell me that his next big thing was in a, was it, um, what was the thing where he was chubby? Or, <laughs> was, not fat, <laughs> but there was somewhere he owned a strip club. Yeah, was it called Chubby's? No, it was My Name is Earl. Well, I know My Name is Earl, but what was his name? He pl- the character he played in he, that. He played Chubby. Chubby, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. I was just going to say, I was afraid you were going to say his next role was as Chubby. Yeah. And, you know, my name is Earl 20 yeah. years later. No, no, no. He had Evening Shade. That's oh, a okay. whole TV show in between, too. That's true. Tim and Ozzie Davis. Yeah, he has uh, quite, the, quite the storied career. <laughs> but yeah. So, Ski, did you have, uh, I think we already discussed favorite lines. Was there one for you, Brent, that stood out? Um, no, I think I've touched upon all of them that I liked and everything. Okay. So who was your shitty pick for MVP for this episode? Oh, Turd Ferguson. You got to phrase it like that. I was going to write down that, um, <laughs> Brent will choose Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh, um. Yeah. No, but I mean, I do like the fact that, you know, Bert showed up, you know, in full-blown Norm MacDonald impression mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well before Norm MacDonald was doing exactly, that impression. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I was confused at first. I was like, I didn't realize Norm debuted this character <laughs> on Golden Girls. <laughs> and what about you, Ski? Who was your MVP? Um, You know, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, Rose, purely because of that story. Yeah, I think I have the, to give it to Rose also. I mean, The she prison had, story, not the Butter Queen. Well, I thought both of them were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, she had good lines in the Butter Queen story. It wasn't as good, but the prison one was, in my opinion, one of the best, you know, two minutes of the <laughs> series so far. And that's saying, that's high praise. So how many pieces of cheesecake would you give this one, Ski? Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it, a, I think, a six. Six? And how about you, Brent? I was leaning towards seven, but I'm going with six okay. as well. I'm going to go with six and a half. Um, it was definitely up there among my favorites. If there was more Sophia in it, I think it could have bumped it up that extra half. She has some really good lines, yeah. though. Yeah, but she was just really limited as far as, mm-hmm. I mean, she was probably in, what, maybe 25% of the episode at most. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think, like, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the six. Um, but I would have gone with seven. If like at the end, like the big cameo mm. would have been Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. he shows up and the girls spring off that couch, and you see this. All he sees the snail trails where yeah. they're sitting. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the last line is just like, twisting his glasses. Yeah, that would have been a great way. That is a great end. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, at least uh, we got that out of the way after the MVP, so you didn't give yourself the MVP yeah, for, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for coming up with that idea. But Well, anyway, with that, uh, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. <laughs>